coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. And we're back again after a long time this time. Summer uh, vacation, man. Yeah, sort of our summer typical vacation. summer hiatus. Um, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, so man, I, like I, everything that's come out recently, basically. You yeah, know, we're going to be all of it. We're definitely talking about uh, the two movies that everyone has been anticipating this summer. The two that have that every discussion of them has been tied together almost indelibly. The two that have that have created their own word in the English language for how related these movies are. That's right. We are talking about Hauntenheimer, Haunted Mansion, and Oppenheimer. I really hate that that's (laughs) what just came out of your mouth. Um, Yeah, everybody's two favorite movies, Haunted Mansion and Oppenheimer. We're going to be talking about Barbie 2. We're going to be talking about Indiana Jones, we're going to be talking about uh, Spider-Verse. Good lord. We've got a lot to cover. There's Um, too much. There's just too much. There's way too much. And as usual, we've bitten off too much. It's kind of like we're back in like the pre-times. You know, like not quite, but like there had just been like, there's been an onslaught of movies this summer. And it is feeling a little bit more like pre-2020. Yeah. Like it's, it's getting there. Um. It doesn't feel the same because, like, a lot more movies are doing less well. Um, but, like, you know, in general, it's there's a lot of movies. Yeah, that's true. It's, it, like, for once, I'm, like, going to the theater, and I'm like, geez, like, which one of these do I see? Because there's actually, like, four or five movies that I want to see. It's pretty uh, pretty remarkable. Right. This time we're in. Um, but before we get to all that stuff that we have to discuss tonight... Well, we got to talk about our most important subject of all. What are we drinking tonight, Matt? Yeah, we do have to talk about that. Um, so I didn't know what to choose because there were too many movies um, that, and I didn't wasn't really sure what specifics we were going to talk about. So I went with honoring the last movie I saw in theaters. So I'm drinking a dark and stormy with a sea breeze on deck. Um, oh, nice. So any guesses to what the last movie I saw in theaters might be? Would that be the last voyage of the Demeter? Ding, ding, ding. That is Got correct. It. All right. Yeah. Yeah, That's that feels appropriate. Dark and Stormy is definitely the vibe of that movie. I unfortunately yeah, haven't it seen is. it yet, but yeah. it looks pretty interesting. Yes. Um, so I, I am sticking with my theme for tonight, which is <laughs> clearing out a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be cleared out. Um, <laughs> yeah, well... <that's, laughs> That's both in terms of all the the backlog that we're covering tonight and also the fact that I'm going to be moving soon. And so I have to drink all the beer that's been sitting around for a while and drink like I'm not buying any new liquor. I'm drinking like all the weird liquors and stuff that have to go before we move. So uh, but what I'm drinking tonight (laughs) is a pumpkin latte from aleworks from last fall wow. that has been in the fridge for a while i guess so, um, okay we're starting spooky season over there yeah yeah and i've got a sam adams oktoberfest on deck wow it really is uh it's halloween time yeah 
I mean, I'm you, feeling it, you know, but like, that's funny. Yeah, it's definitely, we're, I, I've come all the way around and come back to spooky season here. Yeah. But um, yeah, somehow almost seasonal this time. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So um, let's, let's talk about Hauntenheimer first. Um, Hauntenheimer. And, and the, right the, out the gate. The right reason, the, gate. the reason that we're pairing those movies together is that so my original, you know, everyone's talking about Barbenheimer this summer. Everyone's that those two movies, Barbie and Oppenheimer came out on the same day, two huge movies that are highly anticipated. Everyone was talking about doing the double feature. I didn't have the time to do that. I've been traveling around a lot. You know, we're, we're moving to Los Angeles soon. And so we, we did the whole like scouting expedition, trying to find apartments there. And the movies came out while we were in Los Angeles. So I was like, well, we don't really have time to see a double feature, but maybe we can try to work in both of these movies. And I, I made the plans to see Oppenheimer. Cause that was like, that was the uh, the one where you have to book like the IMAX theater. You have to make sure that you got tickets ahead of time because it's crazy competitive. Um, but then I thought like, oh, like we'll just see Barbie at some point. Um, but then the time came for us to see Barbie. We were in Santa Monica and I was like, oh, well, you know, this is the perfect place to see Barbie because like she shows up in Santa Monica or Venice like kind of b- between the two of them in the movie. So I'm like, Oh, this would be perfect. See Barbie in Santa Monica, but no, no seats were available. <laughs> it was too popular. <laughs> so we ended up seeing a haunted mansion. <laughs> Good luck. God. Uh, That's yeah. like the biggest letdown. Of so all. that was, those are the two movies I saw in LA were, were haunted mansion and Oppenheimer. Um, one was significantly better than the other. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, Oppenheimer tried its best, but it was no Haunted Mansion. <laughs> it couldn't stand up to the wonder that was Haunted Mansion. I mean, uh, they they didn't get Jared Leto. I mean, that's so the thing. That's the thing. You, you gotta put you talk, him. Everybody in your talks about Killian Murphy's performance, but like, hello, Owen Wilson. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you say Killian Murphy, I say Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I enjoyed the Haunted Mansion movie enough, like as a big Haunted Mansion aficionado. Yes. Um, you know, big fan of the ride. Look, I gave it like two and a half or three stars on Letterboxd. That's like about as like good as I think it was going to possibly get for me. Reasonably um, generous. Um, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah two and was... a half is what I said, but I get it two and a half with a like, okay. With a heart. So. Yeah. I feel like it, it walked a lot of the same line as the, the Eddie Murphy one. It just didn't look as nice as the Eddie Murphy one. Like the, yeah. Eddie Murphy, the, like the style of the Eddie Murphy one at least felt a little distinctive. This one was more like in the vein of typical live action Disney stuff recently where it's like that bland CGI vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue is that like the the Eddie Murphy movie had incredible practical effects and like costumes and makeup and stuff. This one not quite so much. Yeah. There was some cool like creature designs and the ghosts and stuff, but you it know. Just, you lose some like soul when everything is well, like when nothing's real. You can tell. And like these movies think that you can't tell, but you can. Um Yeah. 
there there are still some good stuff in it and like i do like all the shots where they're like out and about in new orleans or like you know stuff like that like that was cool Um, yeah that was fun yeah and Uh, the cast is pretty fun i mean um they were having a good time Um, yeah i i actually thought that it had a, a pretty fun like comedic vibe to it for the most part like everyone was pretty funny when they yeah. needed to be, but it I, didn't get like obnoxiously so. So I saw this at like a brunch screening at the Alamo Draft House on opening weekend. Um, it was like the opening Saturday or whatever. Um, and I went to this brunch screening and it was a sold out theater. Um, now, granted, this is an Alamo where the theaters are pretty small. Um, so, you know, it's not hard to sell it out. Um, but it was like full of people who were like clearly like Disney people. And I like I mean like parks people. I was like, this is frightening. Like I this is <laughs> like it's really unsettling to see those people in Manhattan. Like that's They're not there. where I, it's not where I expect to see you. I expect to see you like in Florida or like certain types of suburbs. Like I don't know why you're in Manhattan. Those people live there. Those are the kind of people, people who have the money to go to Disney World they all the walk time. Among us, um, <laughs> I was sitting directly next to like a gay couple, and one of them was like clearly like a Disney gay, and the other one was like visibly not. <laughs> um, and I was Just like, this like, dynamic was extremely entertaining to watch. Like partway like through the movie, quietly seething and tolerating he, it. Well, I, I was sitting directly next to the one who was not a Disney gay, and he's sitting down. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to drink. It's only like 11:30." And I was like, that's cool. I definitely had already ordered a mimosa. Um, <laughs> and um, and so, um, but like, like literally like 30 minutes into the movie, he raises an order card and he, somebody comes back with like a whiskey drink. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I need this now. Well, his like boyfriend or husband or whatever, I don't know if they were married or not, but um, was like giddy. And I was like, oh my God. Um, and he was wearing like Disney like paraphernalia. And I was like, there's just like so much happening. Um, but I will say that when Jamie Lee Curtis came on for the first time, like in the full outfit, them and like every other gay in the auditorium, like gasped. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) this seems right. Like (laughs) this is definitely the ideal audience to be watching this with because they are very into it and that's making me more into it. Right. So Jamie Lee Curtis definitely had the right look for this movie. I don't know what was going on with her accent. It was it, very strange. It really um, seemed to come and go. Yeah, that was that was a choice. I don't know what was going on with that. Um, <clears throat> Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, that was an interesting choice. Um, also, we need to talk about the elephant in the room, and that's Jared Leto, who, like, I don't know why they even bothered, because you don't fucking see him. Like, his voice, like, what was the point? Like, the name doesn't draw people in. Did we not learn that with Morbius? And, like... You don't see him. It's like the digital face. Like Yeah. Yeah, the, you never saw him except for the, like the flashback parts where they were showing like what the hatbox ghost looked like in real life. And even then it's barely like you can barely tell it's him. He's like, barely yeah, he's barely in there. And then like when it's his voice, it's like all pitch shifted to hell, so you can't even tell that it's Jared Leto. Right. It could have been a nobody. That could have been a nobody. And they probably would have saved themselves a, a nice chunk of budget. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel so. like they just put him in there so they could be like, we've got Jared Leto as the hatbox ghost. Well, Ooh, yeah, that was the, so bit, the best jump creepy. scare in the movie. You see Jared Leto <laughs> as the hatbox ghost in the opening credits, and you're like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> um, terrifying. But I didn't like, know we were seeing Morbius too. Ah! Um, yeah, it was like I don't even understand. And then like the end where like is his his only like big scenes are like towards the end really. And like those weren't like 
like anybody could have done that because it wasn't really acting like it was just like yelling like it like it's fine but it wasn't like anything special i it's just like crazy they definitely wasted like an actual star um very (laughs) bizarre very bizarre it was it was an interesting choice um i do think lakeith stanfield was awesome in this Lakeith stanfield's always good he was yeah I, i i've liked him in like everything i've seen him in uh but yeah he got like the the whole like brooding depressed guy down so well yes like that that was a big part of his character and his arc as well um i liked it i liked that he was somebody who like didn't really believe in ghosts but also kind of wanted to that's a that's a good character to put into this sure yeah i liked it um, yeah, I mean, I overall liked him. It, he was fine. It was just like so, like I don't know. Like at one point, he's crying, and then he's like, "And my wa- she wanted to go to Baskin Robbins," and I was like, "Hold on, why are we name dropping Baskin Robbins?" <laughs> while crying. Like I'm, there was definitely on. some product placement in this movie. <laughs> some of it felt like natural. Like when when like Tiffany Haddish is like, "Yeah, well, I got this from the Costco." Like that's like that's how people talk. That was like, funny, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, just, or like when she said she Amazon, she got something on Amazon. Like people talk like that. That's normal. Yeah. Him saying, and she decided to stop at the Baskin Robbins. I was like, nobody would say that. They would just say you stop for ice cream. Like, yeah. I, like, because Baskin Robbins is not a big enough name. Like, that's when it felt forced. And he's crying while he's doing it. <laughs> like, it really takes you out of the moment. Like, <laughs> she always did love the delicious double dip from basket robins available <laughs> now for only $8.95 and then when it's like burger king product placement but it's about the tater tot moment i'm like come on like <laughs> we've got to like chill out um at least message that scene from was beyond funny. tater tots now at burger king yeah i was like come on at least that was kind of funny um because that was like meant to be a comedic scene the scene where he's crying and mentions basket basket robins that's like egregious like come yeah. on yeah you could have found a better way to name drop Baskin Robbins if they were a sponsor or whatever. Like they already, they already name drop Baskin Robbins and Ant-Man. So I don't know, like Disney's clearly in tight with Baskin Robbins. I also think that like name dropping something, I mean, far be it from me to understand marketing. That doesn't make me want to go buy it. If you show it, that's a different story. Like, well, I like, think there's there's some power as well to just keeping the brand fresh in your brain. So I you're, guess if you're Baskin Robbins, that. I don't yeah. even know where one is. Like weird, very strange. Yeah. But there's definitely I, a Baskin Robbins around here somewhere. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's one around here too. Um, I just don't know where. Um, it's New York. There's like lots of ice cream. Like no, I don't need to go to Baskin Robbins. Um, not that I like ice cream anyway, so it doesn't. It's all irrelevant. But um. <laughs> The whole thing that was just like very silly, um, but it, it you know I I get it. Um, it was it's fine. It the 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 stupid product placement didn't bother me as much as it did some people. Um, it just was very silly at moments. Um, but the movie definitely was like sometimes it was like we want to be like sad and earnest, and sometimes they were like no we don't. And I was like okay, this is fine. This is this is tonally consistent, and I understand what's going on. Yeah, it's um, like it's like the ride, you know. The ride is like spooky and dark at times, and then it's like ah, never mind, silly spooks. Yeah, <laughs> yes, like the scene where he's like being chased by the bride, like was like actually meant to be like spooky, and I was like, wait, what's going on here? Like she might <laughs> kill this man. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but then like other scenes, it's like meant to be very funny. I'm like, okay, um, and that that feels like the ride, you know. Um, yeah. So I did like. Fine. 
in the uh the seance scene to like the only candles we have is this vanilla scented candle from yankee candle company <laughs> oh yeah that was that was another egregious product placement um but yes that was also funny i did think it was funny that like it, like it is the concept of needing scented candles for a seance is pretty funny that's <laughs> yeah. that's pretty hilarious i mean it could it would have been better if it were like something less pleasant than vanilla you know what i mean like or like <laughs> something more egregiously pleasant like like if it'd been like warm baked something you know like that would have been <laughs> fresh really baked cookies scented yeah. candle or like or like a, a christmas themed one like yeah like yeah this... santa's something like santa's uh, cookies yeah um that would have been pretty funny there's um, always an unnecessary christmas scented candle around that's like the only candle you have it's like oh crap i have to use the christmas one now yeah. i don't like yeah so that's the thing with the like candles i really like like so i keep a lot of christmas candles around because i like like the pine scented ones so i'll keep those around you know, yeah around. but like every so often it's like i don't have that and then i pull something out and it's like cranberry cookie cocktail and i'm like i don't <laughs> want that like i don't know who gave that to me but i never want to burn that like at one point lauren had like this espresso scented candle that literally smelled like vomit. Like oh I just God, could not so stand unpleasant. it. It was so bad that like, even when it wasn't lit, if it was like in the cabinet next to the couch, I could smell it. And I was like vaguely nauseous. That is so <laughs> awful. I have a thing about like food scented candles. Like, like I can't, there are a lot of them. I can't do. It's just like, it's too much. Um, and I feel like espresso would be one that I, I don't think I would want that. That's it's overpowering. Um, it was very strong. Yeah. yeah. I don't want that. Um, I, I'm like, like vanilla candles are a lot for me on them. Just them. I'm like, this is like too much vanilla. Like there's such a thing as too much of this. Um, my mom really likes like baked goods, scented candles. And it like drives me insane. Every time I go there, I'm like, you bake, you literally bake all the time. You could just bake cookies and the house would smell this way. And it would be so nice. Instead, you're burning this candle. And it smells like fake baked cookies. <laughs> um, and it drives me insane. Sorry if you listen to this, Mom. Um, my candles of choice are like sandalwood, sea breeze, yeah. like pine trees, like salt and mineral. Like, I don't know. Like, that's the kind of stuff I want. I want my place to smell like the woods or the beach. Like, yeah, I do like the nature scented ones. Those are yeah. good. Um, like firewood. And... Yes. And I like a wood wick. I want it to like... Crackle. Oh, the crackling yeah yeah that's good you know um, um for one thing that helps me remember that it's burning so i don't forget <laughs> to blow it out um <laughs> that is useful definitely. yes uh, um but another thing is it's just like nice it's it's pleasant um so what i'm saying is that they should have had a nice like target threshold brand woodwick scented candle like maybe sandalwood or like they have like a nice like whiskey and tobacco one that i really like like that's what they should have okay yeah um that would have felt right in that cellar too. That cellar probably already smelled like whiskey and tobacco. Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely tobacco. I feel like those seances back in the day, people were just like smoking like chimneys. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, haunted mansion. It was mostly what we expected. Yes, it I will was... say there were a lot of like Easter eggs to the the ride, um, and I did appreciate that. Um, it was just like full of them. So I liked the fan service. Um, it was fun. More, you know, I don't know. 
they yeah, need to yeah. they've not struck gold with this like adapting a ride thing um they like pirates is the only thing that has worked and i don't know why they keep trying um well because pirates made so much money that's <laughs> but pirates and they nobody i mean they don't want to admit it now but pirates work because in large part the cast um, yeah also it did have like an actual story like i mean that had nothing to do like the ride was like like it had a story that was not anything to do with the actual ride um and th- with jungle cruise and with this one they're like trying to factor in parts of the ride in some ways in ways that aren't working like um they, they could just do better they could do better um, yeah yeah but don't worry, in 2043, we'll get our third stab at the Haunted Mansion movie. <laughs> They'll get it right that time, I'm sure. Who knows? Who knows? It's just, it's a shame that we didn't get the Guillermo del Toro version. That, that would have been great. Like, that would have been wild. Like, can you that imagine? That would have been really fun. Crimson Peak, but the Haunted Mansion, like that version of the Hatbox Ghost. It would have been great. Yeah. That would have been fun. But, yeah, anyway, let's talk about Oppenheimer. Uh, so I saw... Um... I, <laughs> very much so. I I ended up seeing Oppenheimer in L.A. while I was there. Uh, I saw it at the Chinese Theater in the 70mm oh, IMAX. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it was a very, like, L.A. experience, a very touristy experience. Right there on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Uh, didn't see a lot of characters out there actually, which was kind of surprising. You know, usually you see the characters. Well, you see all the. It's like Times Square. You see all the people like dressed up in costumes and stuff, like trying to get you to take pictures with them. But not so many this time. It was mostly just people trying to hand out their CDs. But yeah, CDs. Yeah, you know, you know the CD people. They're always trying. Of course, I know the CD people. I just can't believe they're the ones who are out there. That's so disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, no, uh, no Avengers or anything. Uh, maybe this is their their day off. Who knows? Where was Elmo? Yeah, <laughs> we need the the psycho Elmo. <laughs> yeah, that's so disappointing. Every where time was, I go to Times Square, there's psycho Elmo. It was like anti-Semitic Elmo. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's always something with the characters. It's so <laughs> upsetting. Um, well, I'm so glad that somebody else will have to put up with them soon. Um, at least it's but, not just me every time I go to the AMC in Times Square, which is like almost exclusively the only time I go to Times Square. Um, I'll walk through and I'll be like, dear God. And I'm surrounded by like Mickey Mouse who's taken his own head off. I'm like, can we like, <laughs> like can you at least like go inside before you do this? Because you look frightened. Like, um yeah i definitely i I love the chinese theater you know it's a it's a classic hollywood movie palace it's beautiful the presentation was great like i I, i've heard some complaints about the sound and the screen in there but it was fine for me like we were really close up and i still felt like it looked and sounded great uh but i was acutely aware of like every time i want to come here i'm going to have to go through all this madness around here (laughs) So, yeah, uh, yeah. Special occasions only, probably. Um, yeah, I think that's right. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Like I said, we were we were close up, but the seats like leaned back really far, so we could really get the whole 
IMAX screen. Um, yeah, like I, I felt like this was a good way to see it. Like, uh, you know, the, the IMAX 70 millimeter has been heavily hyped up. Um, and I think, you know, I'm a big fan of specialty formats. And I think that you could probably still see this movie in other formats and have as good a time. But I was really glad that I saw it in the 70 millimeter IMAX because yeah. like just having <laughs> that towering image over you, ha- like seeing the grain of the film and everything really meant it made it feel like the spectacle that it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, so I also saw it in IMAX 70 millimeter at Lincoln Square. Um, so also feel similarly i mean i'm gonna watch it again eventually and it won't be an imax 70 millimeter and i'm going to really enjoy the movie still but um i definitely am glad i saw it that way the way god aka christopher nolan intended um (laughs) so i you know i'm not gonna yeah i mean if you couldn't catch it that way as most of like the world couldn't um that's fine but i you know for those of us who did it was pretty cool and it was pretty special it looked great it was it was um it probably contributed to my liking it as much as I did. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it made it feel like an event as well. You know, like we, right. we all had to come together to the special theater that could only show. Uh, it was one of the few ones. I think there's only like 30 in the world that showed this movie in I think that format. Now. Yeah. I think it is like 30 and like over half of them are in the U S. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it really was like a, like a special occasion and, lent some extra gravity to the situation it did Um, it definitely felt like like a serious watch like if you were in there it was like we are all here because we are taking this shit seriously (laughs) so like at least i could count on like nobody to like be a disturbance during the movie you know that was nice because that's not always the case at an amc i will say i usually if it's a movie i'm gonna want to pay attention to i'll be like okay i'm gonna go to the alamo for this because like at the alamo they'll kick you out um yeah at the amc you just kind of have to like fight for your life in there true um, yeah so um but like but i was like you know the 70 millimeter imax nobody's fucking around in there um yeah so. i mean i was a little worried because like i said you know we're in the the most touristy part of la so i'm like oh there might be some annoying people in here i don't know but i think with the price that everyone paid, I was gonna for say those you're not tickets. paying like fucking thirty dollars for your ticket. Uh, yeah, I think everyone was I mean, was uh, really trying to get their money's worth. I paid zero dollars, but like you know, um, I oh, mean, yeah. I paid twenty something a month, but because um, AMC doesn't AMC doesn't upcharge for them. So yeah, me, I mean, you know. I'm I'm excited. I think that when I go to LA, I'm going to go back to AMC A list. Um, because there are some very appealing opportunities with a list in um in Los Angeles they yeah. have the uh the city walk AMC there which yes. has they that they were one of the other ones that was showing 70 millimeter IMAX of Oppenheimer so they have an IMAX screen they have a 70 millimeter projector um and it's all included with your subscription, which is incredible. Like, right. Cause Regal, did you have to pay up for Regal when you Regal, you do still have to pay up. And one of the other things I was looking at seeing in LA that I didn't end up doing, but I was thinking about going to the downtown Regal to see the new mission impossible movie in 40 X. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that would have been included on my uh, subscription, but I would have had to pay a market upcharge because it's cheaper. The subscription is cheaper in Virginia than oh. it is in California. Yes. And I also would have had to pay a format upcharge. So I think it would have ended up being like $13 even with the subscription. That's so annoying. Yeah. Um, that so that's a so one thing when you move out to LA, your subscriptions will no longer will you have to do market upcharges because you will be in the the the, the highest market. tier, yeah, for each of them, yeah. <laughs> in New York, I do not have to worry about that when I travel. I'm like, oh, we can see a movie. Don't worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, paying the highest possible amount. I do think it's funny that for, um, well, Regal does it by theater rather than by um like city or state, but oh, that's so annoying. AMC yeah. is by market. It's like New York is in one tier and you know, I think it's like New York, LA and maybe DC are one tier and everything else is below. Yeah. It can be kind of convenient because like if you lived in California, but like not in a major city, it would be pretty annoying to pay the like full price AMC subscription. But the right. theaters for Regal would be on the lower tier. But yeah, I mean, it's a trade off. Um, Either way, I'd be paying the top tier one once I get to LA. So, I'm thinking AMC is the move. Right. I mean, but I personally support the AMC one. It was it was pretty good when I had that back in Arlington. I love I love the AMC A list. It's like I swear by it. I go all the time. <laughs> so it's good uh, stuff. Support us, AMC. Yeah, we're pulling for you. Please, please, AMC. And I go um, and I buy stuff. I don't just <laughs> pay my monthly fee and go and not get concessions. I get at least a concession like every time. You're going to MacGuffins, you know? You're you're getting all, those. And like more and more drinks. are putting in like at least a fridge with canned drinks. So I will say that's a plus. Like even the ones that don't have like a full bar right now, they now have like canned drinks, um, which is something. Um, that's nice. Yes. Um but even so, like, even if I don't want that, it's like, I probably want a Coke Zero. I want that AMC freestyle. Yeah, like, the freestyle <laughs> is nice, too. Yeah. And I often want popcorn if I'm going to the AMC for a movie. Because if I'm going to the AMC, it's usually the kind of movie that I think of as a popcorn movie. So. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, I usually want something. I'm a good customer for them. Because <laughs> um, I buy stuff. So. Sometimes I even buy the special merch. Like, when I bought the fucking scream cup with ghost face on top for the fucking ninja turtles popcorn tin which i don't know why i bought that you did oh my well God. i was drunk and high but like <laughs> so you do know why you bought that. yeah well i that was my second but what was the first? oh that was the day i saw meg 2 the trench um and we saw that at brunch and we took like edibles beforehand um i can say that it's new york i can just say that right um so um and we were like yeah and we ate like the Okay, so the Alamo has a pepperoni and pickle pizza special for Ninja Turtles. I saw that. Yes. So we did get that after you having apples. Because um, we were like, that sounds so good. Oh, boy. And, like, as I ordered it, I was like, it might be the edible talking. But that sounds <laughs> really good. Um, and it was very good. Um, but then, like, we, like, went out or whatever. And, like, later that afternoon, we were like, do you want to see another movie? And I was like, can we please see Ninja Turtles? And so we went to see Ninja Turtles. And I was like, I should get the popcorn tin. Why was I not stopped? Why did nobody stop me? 
No one we, questioned your judgment in that moment. Like, well, we both uh, had like AMC A list, and we both have the Alamo. It was my friend, and we both have the Alamo season pass and AMC A list. So it's very easy to get tickets and just be like, we can just, we can do whatever. Yeah. Um, and we went. We fucking saw it in 3D. There was no reason for any of this. <laughs> um, um, but I did like the movie, and now I have this popcorn tin. Um, so when I was in uh, Santa Monica, they had a like a walkthrough attraction for the Ninja Turtles movie there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like we were just walking I wish I, around. I wish you'd gone. Yeah, I, I I wish I wanted to go, but the, there was like a really long line. And I was like, this seems like the sort of thing that it's going to take a long time to get in. It's crazy. that but, L- Why does LA have that? Ninja Turtles are a distinctly New York thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, LA just, you know, they've got the movies. They, they, well, for one thing, they've got the space. But um, that's, that too, yeah. New York decidedly does not have. Um, but yeah, that we should have had a walkthrough for the Ninja Turtles thing. I would go. Child me was so into Ninja Turtles. So I will always do the Ninja Turtle stuff when it comes comes around. Um, big fan. Yeah, I unfortunately have not seen Ninja Turtles yet, so I can't talk about the movie. But it's hopefully, quite it's quite we'll good. We'll be getting to that soon. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, why don't we wrap up talking about Oppenheimer? Because that's we how haven't we actually talked about it. Um, <laughs> so okay, let me let okay. I'll start. Um, Oppenheimer is like maybe my favorite Christopher Nolan movie to date. It's- um, it's good i yeah. fucking loved it i was it's like there, floored um i just was like wowed by like the camera work i was wowed by the performances i was wowed by the score the score is so good in this oh, movie oh yeah um just like so good it is so good and it's like emotional and it's like a, a gut kick like you know what's coming and it's still like a gut kick um crazy just a crazy movie um i loved it it was awesome um so with that, you may talk, but yeah. I had and, to get it out there. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And that score is like one of the parts where you really feel the IMAX experience. Yes. Like the the sound quality in that theater, with like especially when those big soaring score moments came in, Absolutely. was so incredible and like really made you feel the emotional weight of everything in the film. I I absolutely love just like the cast. Like it it just blew my mind how deep this cast was like they oh, had yeah. he's got a i mean his bench and like <laughs> it's like what the fuck are we doing here man like it's, it's like a joke at a certain point i'm yeah. like are you kidding me like well it's like they they had like the entire team of the manhattan project like all like tens dozens of different scientists and they all like have a speaking role and are played by like a pretty well-known actor and so it's like that, like people keep showing up in the movie and you're just like, oh my God, like, whoa, <laughs> they all do such a phenomenal job. I mean, Killian Murphy obviously is incredible in this, just such a, an all encompassing performance. He's yeah. got, um, like he, the, the emotional weight of all of it. He's also got just a lot of charisma in there. He, he seems like, like just the most interesting guy in the room in every scene that he's in. Um, and just, I, I feel like the movie it being a three hour movie still leaves you wanting more. Like yeah. you get to the end of it and it's like, I feel like we've really only begun to scratch the surface of like touching on like what a momentous moment in human history this was. And like, 
what that would have been like to like be the people responsible for that and like the the ethical and emotional weight of that plus like but also like it's like a towering achievement for his career and he's always like going to be the person who did that and like it and and the the depth of the controversy of his character as well as like somebody who's both like respected but also somewhat um thought less of for what he's done um i i I feel like it it really went into all of that and yet still left me wanting more like feeling like wow like this really is the the sort of thing that is worth at least a three-hour movie if not more yeah that was definitely that i mean the three hours was earned um not all movies earn that runtime this one did um just a crazy uh so good so good um <clears throat> and like every every performance is is um out of this world killing murphy obviously emily blunt so good emily mm-hmm. blunt is great yeah um also everyone's talking about like oh is it the josh hartnett renaissance and i want to put on the record that josh hartnett has always been good and i always <laughs> believe he in never that. went away don't he call never it has been bad and <laughs> all of you who think so you weren't paying attention to that man he has always been great Clearly um, not enough people watch Penny Dreadful. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, also, um, the biggest jump scare in this movie was Casey Affleck. He like was like <laughs> terrifying. And I was like, oh, it's Casey Affleck who's terrifying, like actually as a human and also like in this role. So, um, you know, it's hard to support a Casey Affleck casting, I guess. But like at this point, I was like, that felt right. Um, so that was also very frightening. Also, Kenneth Branagh's Niels Bohr. Um, I was like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> that was really funny. I liked whatever this movie made, like, the reveal of just, like, some, like, scientist or, like, figure from history, like, a fucking Marvel movie. Like, the part where he's, like, some some senator trying to make a name for himself, Kennedy. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> they <laughs> like, did do a lot of that. It was so funny. Um, it, w- it was very good. But, like, you know, some of, some of the, like, the, the scientists felt that way, too. Um so yeah, um, I loved that stuff. Um, but like I, everybody I, in this movie is good. So. I did love like the uh, in the promotional material. They were like at one point they were like first look at Albert Einstein in Oppenheimer, and it was like they're literally treating this like a like a team up event or something. They are, yeah, that's how it felt. And like actually, so that I think that was let's talk actually smart stuff about this movie for a moment. Um, one thing that I think Nolan did really, really well is like throughout like the first half of this movie, he really uses all of like, especially stuff that he like tactics he got from the dark Knight of like building up Killian Murphy's character, you know, Oppenheimer. Um, I don't, I don't know. It feels weird to talk about whatever. Um, but like building him up and like, there's a scene where he's like getting dressed and putting on his hat. And it's like, it's like meant to be this, like, like almost like the way, like the Sherlock movies with Robert Downey Jr. Treated Sherlock and everything. Yeah. And only for like halfway through the movie to like completely like tear that away from you. Cause it's like, Oh shit, he did something that sucks and he's in a shitty situation now. Um, and it's pretty effective because I feel like you do root for him and his team for a large stretch of this movie. And then the moment like the bomb goes off and you watch this sequence happen and it's like, you watch the Trinity sequence, all of that. And it's hard to like, it just like completely undermines like the whole buildup of the movie in a good way, like in, right. in the the appropriate way. Cause it's like, you're, you're sort of rooting for him. Like you like him. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh shit. Like it's like, yeah, um, it's like, this is what we've been building up to. And then there's, there's that great moment where he's giving like the victorious speech after Hiroshima. 
And I think it's it's really effective how they don't show any like of the actual bombing or anything in this movie. Yes. Yeah, we don't need to get into the discourse around that, but I agree with you. It's um, all from their perspective, from the perspective of the team that's doing this, and they find out via the radio because right. <laughs> that's like how they actually found out. And it's just like, oh, I guess we did it. Hooray! Yeah. And it's like this big victorious moment, but at the same time, like it's undercut by him like simultaneously being extremely proud of himself, but also like sort of in the back of his mind aware of the horror of what he's unleashed i think yeah i think it's um i think it's really really effective i i really love it obviously everybody's talked about the scene where he's giving the speech and you know you just hear like the the clapping and and everything goes to shit and like the just like the sensory overload of that scene where um they're stomping and oh my god it's just great um but um it I just think it's really effective the way it, it like throws you into like that nauseating sense of how fucked up it all was after building you up to like, like building up, like, you know, that archetypal character that's like, so trend was so trendy, especially in the two thousands and 2010s of like the, the like sort of like nerdy maverick who's like, does his own thing. And yeah, like, yeah. He's always right. Like that's how Oppenheimer was sort of built up in this movie. And, and Nolan isn't responsible for that character's existence, but I do think, the overlap of people who love that character and the people who love Nolan's movies without actually knowing what any of Nolan's movies are about is pretty high. Um, so I do think that was an interesting choice. Um, so, you know, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, and very like gutting, just a very upsetting movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's super upsetting. Um, the whole thing, the whole thing. I think what's interesting about Oppenheimer's character in this is that he's just like, Every time he's asked to like state his belief or what he thinks is right or what he thinks at all, he just like can't do it. He's just like a coward. Like he won't stand up for anything. Um, and I think that's such like a telling take on him. Like it's like there was no, I mean, not that I know anything about Oppenheimer, but I think that's telling of how Nolan feels about the people who did this sort of thing. They're just like, oh yeah, we're just doing this. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter how it's used, but then when they're asked about how you actually feel, they're like, oh, uh, you know, I, it doesn't matter. That's not my job. Like, yeah, it's like equivocating on everything and never like owning up to anything. Um, and I do think that's such an interesting way to, to view the character there. Um, and I think Murphy sells it really, really well. Um, he's just a guy who's kind of afraid of ever committing to anything like um but he just wants to do his little science i guess but like not think about the actual consequences and you can see that with like florence Pugh's character and their relationship too like he wants to like be a part of her life but he doesn't want to actually do anything to have to actually support her and then he feels guilty it's just like he doesn't i don't know um it's just such an interesting he's such an interesting character and killian murphy gives him so much depth um so great great yeah. stuff yeah i agree that that really fit in well with like his place in history and as the like father of the Manhattan project, someone who was like mostly just taking orders. But uh, if you had to like ask him what, like what he was doing all this for, he like doesn't really have a lot to say about it. Right. Right. And like, you know, reading like texts about history, it's like, it's one thing, but like, seeing the way this character was played it's like just the way killian murphy plays it it's like he just doesn't want to have to give his thoughts on these things and you know he wants to pretend that he's he's you know he's free his hands are clean of all of this stuff um of anything he does and he'll do anything to like 
you know, to make himself feel that way. And he does that with the Florence Pugh stuff. Um, Mm. It's just, it's, you know, it's upsetting and, you know, it's, it's an interesting take on people and responsibility. Um, So Florence Pugh is also very good in this. um, Lest we forget. Um, Yeah. Yeah. She was good. Everyone's good. Everyone's good. You know, David Desmalchian is in this movie. Should call that out because that's the second movie I've mentioned on the pod that he's in. Because he's also in Voyage of the Last Demeter or Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yeah. Um, although he's like hot in yeah. that movie. Very he, um, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Yes. He's in a lot of things these days. Good for him. I love him. Big fan. Yeah. Huge fan. His career's really taken off. Um, Robert Downey Jr. was great in this. Oh yeah, he's great. He's infuriating. He like he's another he he really leans into the things about being Robert Downey Jr. that make you pissed off. Um, um, because he just like he does like he has like the the fast talking Robert Downey Jr., especially post Tony Stark thing. Um, and it's like very annoying. Um, but his <laughs> character, it's good for his character. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's perfect. Um, yeah. Um, he's great in this. He's just infuriatingly awful. <laughs> yeah. No, he fits so. in well as like an obnoxious government bureaucrat. Yes. Um, very self-important. Yeah. That's that, that tracks. Yeah. Um, Matt Damon was just so well cast in this. Oh, Matt Damon. I love how he was like, he was like a character that you're like initially sort of like against, but eventually end up liking that he's just like kind of humorous and likable. See, the thing about Matt Damon's character in this movie is that like, unlike Oppenheimer's character, Matt Damon is like, yeah, we're building this bomb and people are going to die. And like, he owns it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, we're doing this and that is just what's going to happen. And he doesn't seem to feel, you know, he he doesn't have this, like, and you could say it's worse that he doesn't have that, like, guilt that he's grappling with, I guess. But it's also like, at least he owns what he's doing, unlike Killian Murphy's character, Oppenheimer, obviously, who's sort of like pretending that he's, you know, he, his hands are clean at all of this. um, Yeah. Throughout so much of it. Um, So there, there are really interesting, um, sort of difference between them even though in the end they're probably the two who come away the closest allies <laughs> yeah yeah so. no that's that's what i found so interesting too is like that they were like they seemed very much at odds at many points early in the movie and then like they were like it seemed like matt damon was the one who might pull for oppenheimer the most at the end like yep. that was yeah, interesting it's, it's such an interesting um uh, I guess sort of like shift in expect or shift from expectations to reality there. Um, we got a good small appearance from Rami Malek in here trying to redeem himself for Bohemian Rhapsody. Hey, Rami Malek didn't have to. He <laughs> has always been great. He is great. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay, Rami. Um, <laughs> um, even though, I don't, you know, I won't forgive him for it, but it's okay. He yeah. is good here, though. He's good. Yeah, no, he was he was so well cast as like the guy who suddenly shows up to give the the bombshell testimony in the hearing. Yeah, I really like... I really enjoyed that. Um, we also have to talk about, and it's been talked about online all of the time. But um, what's his name? Is the guy who actually Josh Peck is the guy who pushes the button to to. Um, to, to the do Trinity the test, yeah. Um, I can't believe that was Josh Peck. Um, I was like, if you told me that one day Josh Peck would be blowing up something in an, an <laughs> movie, I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever you say, man. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, 
Yeah, Josh Peck has had an interesting career now. Um, I don't he know should be in more his career since Drake and Josh, other than this, but yeah. He was in this movie in like the late 2000s called The Wackness, which was like... Oh, yeah, The Wackness! I forgot know, about that movie. That's I think that's the only other thing I've seen him in since Drake and Josh, but he, can clear, he clearly has some good acting talent. He does, um, yes. There's some is other, it, I mean, the cast is so stacked in this, but like, there are some names in this, like Dane DeHaan is in this. And I was like, he's still like an actor. Like he does things. Um, <laughs> Poor Dane DeHaan. I feel yeah, like he, he has just been like, he has picked the worst projects. Yeah. I, I mean, know, a cure for yeah. wellness was good and he deserved better for that one. Yeah. Um, well, that movie was just unfortunately overlooked. Yeah. Um, Should have gotten more credit for that. Um, <clears throat> also in this movie, Alden Ehrenreich. So, um, Good for you. You're still getting roles, I guess. Um, and he was actually pretty enjoyable in this. Um, so good for him. Maybe he'll actually get some decent roles in the future. Oh, yeah. I, I like him a lot. I yeah. wish he would be in more things. Yeah, well, he, he got, I mean, the solo movie, really, that just, that, it's unfortunate. That's that not a good thing to have on your yeah. resume, unfortunately. And it, it was like his first big name role, and it was not good. For him specifically, it was not good. Um, but he's so good in this and also in Cocaine Bear, which I have a lot of mixed feelings on otherwise, <laughs> but he is good in Cocaine Bear. Oh, yeah, Bear. yeah. He's, he was great in that. Um, so, I, you know, too bad that he has that one really glaring bad spot. Um, also, Tony Goldwyn is in this movie, and Tony Goldwyn is, like, a career scumbag. I mean, I know that, like, he as a human isn't, but, like, as a person, I don't think he can play characters who I don't hate. I think it's, like, physically impossible for him, so... <laughs> Um, so, you know, there's just so much stuff going on here. Um, we didn't even talk about the color versus black and white. There's just so much happening in this movie. There's so much happening. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to talk about. We've got like <laughs> the different formats as we yeah. go through time flashing back and forth in the movie. That was really interesting. The Trinity test sequence. It's insane. Which was yeah. like as mind blowing as you'd expect. Pretty hard to describe in words. It's really one of those things you have to see. But uh, it, it I think that was one of the scenes where the, the IMAX probably played a huge role. Oh, absolutely. How- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the towering images of you. And all like all done without CGI as well, which crazy. is just so awesome. Um, Nolan is like firmly like, I am going to stick to the old ways. <laughs> Yes, that we're is not, Nolan's way. We're not doing this modern shit. He's going to get made fun of by the Zoomers on Twitter, but it's okay um, because I support him in his yeah. tweets. Um, We've got, uh, we got Kenneth Branagh giving out Poirot vibes in this. Yes, although, there, <laughs> hey, you know what? Totally off topic. There's a Poirot movie coming out like in a couple of months. Yeah. Um, crazy. Didn't realize that. Um, it's I like Haunting in Venice. It's, yeah, it's a Haunting yeah. in Venice. Um it looks interesting. Like I like the idea of a spooky Poirot movie. Is it? Um, I mean, it's based on one of the books, obviously, right? So I thought this uh, one was like totally new. Oh, is it really? Or I didn't at know least, that. at least, it's like mostly new. Oh, okay, um, okay. I know Tina Fey's in it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> That's um, interesting. Yeah. Right. Um. So it should be you know interesting. Um. But that's completely beside the point. I just thinking of thinking of uh, him and Poirot. I thought of it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but yeah. So, I I did think his his appearance was pretty funny. But I did enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
got uh benny softy who's in this yes um <laughs> if we want to do you want to ro- ro- uh, go back to people whose accents and voices aren't really making sense because um if i have one complaint about this movie it might be benny safty i don't know what you were trying to do there <laughs> that that was a pretty wild performance <laughs> But I was um, like, you know what? I I would buy that there's a physicist out there who sounds like this, and everyone's like, "Where is he from?" Like, I don't know. Like, he's <laughs> no, I cl- no clue. I don't fucking care. But it was. I mean, his character was really entertaining, and I thought it was fun to watch. Um, but I was like, I don't know what he's going for here. But hey, I you know, enjoying it. Um, yeah. So. All right, well, yeah, that's that's our Oppenheimer, um, pretty wide ranging. Not gonna, not gonna get into all the details, but it was as advertised. Awesome movie, yeah. check it out. Absolutely, watch Oppenheimer ideally in theaters. Yeah, well, there, Christopher Nolan is saving the theaters this time around. Actually, I'm pretty sure Greta Gerwig is doing that right now. Greta Gerwig is definitely <laughs> saving theaters. Um, yeah, let's talk about Barbie. Okay. Now that we've we've gotten through the other half of Haunted Barbenheimer. Hoppenheimer? Hoppenheimer? <laughs> um, um, oh, Hoppenheimer sounds like it would be Hop and Oppenheimer. That I sounds like a, like a beer. Ooh. You'd, you'd have like I a bet, Hoppenheimer. I bet somewhere did do a Hoppenheimer beer. <laughs> Someone has a Hoppenheimer um, beer. It's a, it's a hop bomb. Oh my god, yes, you're right. You're right. The atomic that. bomb of IPA. Probably like a triple. Um Okay. Yeah, yep. let's talk about Barbie. There is like at least a dozen beers called Hoppenheimer. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> you did a search. You, yes, you yes. Moving on. Barbie. The Barbie movie. Um, I just saw this this week. Um not the most recent film I've seen, but the second most. Uh so it's pretty fresh. This was uh like like surprisingly good. Like I already thought that it, it was going to be good, but I was surprised like the places that this movie went. Mm-hmm. Um that defied even my expectations. So, yeah, very interesting watch. Um uh, very funny, first of all. Very funny. Like Extremely there was funny. so much good humor in this. Um obviously Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling were both incredible in this movie. Um, oh yeah, they're awesome. I love Ra- them. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, especially like the his ability to be so goofy and yet like serious when he needed to be, like really getting across like some genuine pain, and also like his singing and dancing was just so off the charts yeah he was really great in this he he was clearly like giving it his all um and you could tell in the the like the publicity leading up like he clearly felt very strongly about this role um, which is very funny because it could have been a role that you didn't have to feel anything about yeah um, he took like, playing ken from barbie extremely seriously <laughs> yeah he was like no we're doing this we are all in on ken um, and it, you know, I respect it. I think he was really, really good. Um, he was so much fun. Even when his character was being like a D bag, he was pretty fun. Um, oh yeah. Um, we've got to get something out of the way real fast. And this is spoiler alert, but matchbox 20s push is heavily, 
<laughs> heavily featured heavily yeah. featured in this movie in a way that had me like cry laughing as soon as that started i was like oh man matt must be losing his shit when yeah this. i was like i like it happened and i like physically left my body for a moment <laughs> i was like yeah this is ideal this is so it's so perfect because it's like these guys not getting what the song is literally actually about and like it's just like the perfect perfect use of song um and i do love that matchbox 20 have leaned into it and they're selling shirts with push in the barbie font on them. um um so that's i respect fantastic. that um so um yeah i thought that that's like was probably my favorite moment in the movie was the the push sing along on the beach um, i've i've definitely listened to the ryan gosling version of push several yeah. times since seeing that yeah. movie um quite so good, good. I love uh, he just leans so much into like the broy way that he's singing the lyrics. They do the voice, the classic <laughs> Matchbox Twenty. The, I wanna push you around. Um, you gotta oh. do it. You gotta do it. <laughs> he well, literally. Hi, girl. He literally says like, "I wanna take you for granted." Like, <laughs> like, he's not. He's like so leaning into it. He's not even saying real words. And I want to be clear that like I saw Matchbox Twenty live the weekend this movie came. Out. <laughs> so like I feel like I like I am all I'm all in on the Matchbox Twenty version. But did I loved do, this. Did they this do video. push? That oh, concept? of course they did push. Of course they did push. <laughs> um, the, you can't. They, they couldn't get away with not doing push. It's one of, of course, their biggest yeah. songs. Um, although according to the TikTokers, push is not a song that was a hit that anybody knew. They were like, what? Oh no. There was like this whole thing on TikTok Cause people were like, I just learned that push from the Barbie movie is a real song. What the fuck? <laughs> this obscure song from the nineties. And by I was this like, little Oh known my God, I'm called so Matchbox 20. Old. And they were like, there was like briefly like people once again, re mad about the discourse about how, Push is glamorizing being mean to women. And I was like, but it's from the perspective of an abuse victim. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Like <laughs> it's like they, they literally that they we had this discourse in the 90s. In the 90s. I was like, I can't do this again. <laughs> um it was very funny. Um, but yes, um, so there was a whole thing on TikTok. But um, so hopefully they've all learned now. But um, yes, so push. I can't believe it's 2023 and Push is getting big time airplay in a movie. Um, so I felt very um, a lot about that. Just a lot. That whole scene too was like just really the quintessential scene for this movie in terms of like the humor that yes. is on display. Yeah. Like he starts out like singing the song and he's like really into it. And clearly like, this is a big moment for him. And then it's like cut to four hours later yeah. <laughs> and he's still singing the song. Yes. And then like, he's on the beach and then it like zooms out and it's like all the Ken's are on the beach, like performing this song. Yes. Each to their own like girl that they're trying to seduce their own Barbie. <laughs> their own barbie and there's like the guy playing the drums oh yeah <laughs> like, everybody else is playing guitar one guy's just playing the drums <laughs> this whole thing is just the drum and uh, and it, they're all just like so into it like yes this is my big moment yes it's so uh, funny it's so funny it's really good you know another thing i appreciate about this movie and i'm moving away from push now um even though i don't want to stop talking about push um, I want to keep talking about push always, but 
Moving away, a thing I appreciate about this movie was it like you start off in Barbie Land and then you go out to the real world. And I really thought we were going to be stuck in the real world for the whole movie. And a right, lesser movie yeah. would have done that. Mm -hmm. A lesser live action adaptation of something would have taken. You would have had very brief time in the Barbie Land, and then you would have gone out into the real world for the movie and done the fish out of water thing. The whole movie that would have been the movie. Yeah, yep. this movie. Major props to Greta Gerwig. Not that she would ever do a typical thing, but. She did not do that. We come back to Barbie land um, for most of the movie. And I really appreciated that. And we like, come back to Barbie land so quickly too. Exactly. Like, I love it. It was very like that. We were just in the real world long enough to like realize like what the situation is, how things are different there. And yes. to get like the, the real world people who come back to Barbie land and to get a, like board. a little bit of the fish out of water humor, just yeah. a little bit. We don't, yeah. they don't want to spend a lot of time on that because it's so, it would have been so boring if that had been the movie. Yeah, like we do, we've seen like, Life Size starring jokes. Tyra Banks. That's already a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like at that moment, I was like, "Oh wow!" Like this is going in a very different direction. So, and because Barbie Land was delightful, and it was a like a practical set with all of these built like pieces, it was awesome. Oh yeah, it was so cool. Everything oh. that happens in Barbie Land, like visually, is just so cool that I was glad that we got to spend most of the movie in that world. Yeah. I mean, I look, I kind of want to live there because it's so nice, but also, like, I hate that the water's not real. I do feel like I would want the ocean to be real. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I do love when Ken, like, tries to go surfing and bounces off the plastic waves. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I do. I also like when mermaid Barbies rise up out of the waves. Like, it's like, where were you? It's like, <laughs> it's hard. What were you doing? They're just hiding behind the waves. Like, And one of them is Dua Lipa and John Cena, who are like, <laughs> like, I was like, I can't believe it's, tw I'm watching a movie in which John Cena and Dua Lipa share, like, the screen. Um, yeah. Crazy times. Um, but it's so good. It's really good. Um, it's also like there's so much music in this movie. We can talk about the music scenes. Um, oh yeah, a lot the of Lipa original music. Um, the dance the night. There's I'm just Ken, um, which is of course very dramatic and fun. Um, there's just so much stuff going on in this movie. Um, Mojo Dojo Casa House. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa House. Mojo Dojo Casa House. When Barbie gets called a fascist and she says she doesn't. <laughs> she says she doesn't control the flow of commerce or the trains or whatever um that's really good really good and also very niche joke i was like this is very bizarre that yeah. this is in the movie um um i love so that good. ken somehow walks from venice beach to century city Look, and just like wandering around hold on no 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 <laughs> Okay, you can do that, but you gotta know I've been putting up with this shit from New York movies. <laughs> exactly. No, in that moment, I was like, oh boy, this is gonna be my life now. What was it in the fucking Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds Christmas movie where they're like in Manhattan? They're, where they walk they walk outside and they're there in Times Square and then they're like, oh, let's go for a walk and they're across in Dumbo. They're, they're in Dumbo, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so listen, welcome to what it's like all the time yeah yeah <laughs> i was just like oh this is this is what it's gonna be like now like i yeah. spent a while trying to learn the geography of la i'm like ah that doesn't make any sense yeah that's that's <laughs> what's gonna happen now you just have to learn to just like be like oh that that's not real and laugh at it and roll your eyes and move on um because if every time they did something that stupid you got upset you would always be upset 
I do um, love that also to Ken, like Century City was his vision of a perfect society. Yeah, I'm that's like, pretty that's pretty pretty broad. I feel like uh, I, I'm not quite LA enough to get that joke entirely yet, but it did seem pretty funny. I think it's pretty I mean, I think it's apparent on its own. Like <laughs> like you don't have to be LA to like get it at least on some degree. Um, yeah. you know. Um kind of well like sing like tyson's corner like come on um <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It seems <laughs> like, like that um, if you went to tyson's corner like this place is perfect you went to tyson's corner and you're like i love dc um <laughs> so um yeah you know um or well i guess there are some new york equivalents the financial district um yeah yeah it did, <laughs> it did seem like like that was the vibe there yes so um, yeah, it, it's, I think that's the, the general, um, sentiment of that, that being a joke. Um, and it is pretty funny. It is funny. The entire, um, you know, the Mattel sequence is pretty funny in itself. Um, <clears throat> I yeah. do like that Mattel wanted to portray themselves as like mostly good hearted kind of misguided dudes. Um, yeah. I was like, all right, this is a little like propaganda for yourself but it's all right we'll allow it yeah like, <laughs> i was like i was like when they showed up at mattel headquarters i was like "Ooh, they're like this is like they're showing up on the death star or something like they're they're making this place look really evil and then they were mostly just kind of goofy like they weren't necessarily bad or good they were just like corporate drone type right people. well like they're will like, ferrell is like no 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 we've got to do what's right for the the little girls of the world in the end um and it's like all right i'm sure that's how ceos think you're right um so all right <laughs> i mean there's still some funny stuff there and there is some funny self-aware like mattel acknowledging that they have done some shitty things and you know don't have enough women in leadership type stuff like yeah <laughs> like um, we had a woman back in the 90s and in the 80s yeah like that. and that's that stuff is pretty funny um but like it is also kind of like but they're also making themselves out to be like oh you're just you know your heart's in the right place kind of kind of company um, yeah um you know. i like them making fun of all their discontinued barbies oh yeah oh every time they like shout out like an um actual like piece of like barbie lore or old barbie paraphernalia was great just awesome Every yeah. single time. Um, <clears throat> it was so good. Uh, you know what else was really good in this? Michael Sarah as Alan. Speaking <laughs> of old Barbie lore. Well, um, of course, yes. Alan yeah. was great. When Alan just like kicks ass on the road, when he's just like fighting a bunch of people off, I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I love how <laughs> Alan is the biggest badass in the movie. He's just like, okay. He's yeah. just fed up. Like, he's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I get, get me it. out of here. I'm tired of being Alan. Yes. In this world of Barbies and Kens. Wait, also the way Issa Rae as President Barbie says Godfather. What does she say? Um, I remember thinking it was really funny, though. She mispronounces it. Um, she's like, the the goad for there. Something, something ridiculous. <laughs> um, it's something really funny. Um, but she was also pretty good in this. Basically, everybody's good in this, but there were definitely, you know, the standouts. Know. Um, you know, Kate McKinnon. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. my God. Weird Barbie. So good. So funny. Um, delightfully weird you know not yes not it, it seemed like that that role could have been like a little great it could have been obnoxious it could have been really obnoxious she walked the line perfectly she was oh, funny yes she was good she was really really good um when her legs are like split half the time for no reason 
<laughs> she um, keeps like like bouncing down and like doing the splits and it's so funny. Yeah, um America Ferrera. America Ferrera, it was good to see her in this. She was more like the she was like the um you know, the straight character, not yeah. heterosexual, but like the, the, the character who like you're meant to well, she was also heterosexual, but the character you're meant to like you know, have a window on into like the normal one. Yeah. Like, she grounds um, the movie. She's like yeah. the, the outside observer in yes. Barbie land. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, she had her funny moments because she was also kind of ridiculous because she was so obsessed with Barbie. Um, so I guess her daughter is also the outside neutral observer. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But um, <clears throat> yes, um, she was, I mean, it was good to see her though. I do like her and I was happy to see her in this movie. Um, yeah. There were some super relatable jokes in this movie um, as a white guy who's engaged to a Latina woman. Um, the <laughs> the jokes about her white husband being like back at home doing Duolingo oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to learn Spanish. <laughs> I was just like, oh, you got me. <laughs> like, Lauren was like laughing so hard. It was just like hitting me on the shoulder. I was just like, God damn. Like this is yeah, that this was is good. exactly yes. what it's like. Yes, that seems right. That seems it's like right. poorly mispronouncing Spanish words. I'm like oh, I'm trying here, okay. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Um, that's funny. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't think about that. Um, but I did think he was his scenes were funny every time they showed him. Um, her husband, poor uh, useless man <laughs> that he was. Um. Yeah, I mean, all of the humor in this was pretty good. It does get, like, kind of earnest at times, too. And I liked that. I liked it. You know, Greta Gerwig, she is an earnest person. You know, she's not going to make a movie where she's just, like, being a cynic. Um, yeah. Um, you know, but she, she is earnest. I mean, if you've seen Lady Bird and Little Women, you kind of know that. Um, definitely. But definitely. she, you know, she gets earnest here, too. And I, I think it's sweet. I think the earnestness feels earned. Um, and it earned pays earnest. off. I mean, I felt... Um, you know, I felt it um, when Barbie yeah. has her emotional moments. I'm like, yeah. And Margot Robbie just does him so well. Um, it's great. Yeah. I felt like some, some of those big emotional moments got a little too talky. Like they just went on a little long. They did. But yes, overall, like the emotion was there and like the actors were doing such a great job that, I mean, it, it felt earned certainly. Yes. So I uh, yeah I really like that. I feel like everyone like there were there were several key emotional moments. You know, like Barbie had her big emotional moment. Uh, America Ferrera's character had her big moment. America about... Ferrera like monologues. Yeah. And, like the difficulty of being a woman. Um, yeah. yeah, that was like the whole that that was a big part of the movie. But the thing is, like I I expected something like that from this movie, like that this was going to be about like the difficulty of being a woman in the real world in, in life. But what I didn't expect was like the flip side of it. We also got a bit of like the difficulty of being a man as well with Ken's whole journey in this. Right. And I thought that his emotional arc was very interesting, even though he's a pretty shitty person for a lot of this, like he does <laughs> grow a lot throughout the movie and he has his big emotional scene as well. He does, yes, I agree with that. I think I I think all the kins kind of do, right? 
I mean, yeah. they, they grow. I mean, obviously Ryan Gosling is the our you know, lead the, Ken. Exactly. Yeah. But um, Beach you know, Ken. Beach Ken. Beach Ken. The main Malibu Ken. Um, uh, I was Malibu Ken once for a birthday party. So I'm basically Ryan Gosling. So if we could all just um, accept that. Essentially, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm the same thing. Um, I look just as good. Um, you could be his stand-in. Yeah, I should wear that costume for Halloween. I won't because <laughs> that's probably going to be an extremely popular costume. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And I'm not. I hate when I hate every year. You know, there's the popular costumes. It's going to be Barbie and Ken this year, and I don't. It's going to be Barb and Heimer. Actually. Yeah, you can do Barbie and Oppen. That we're going to get Oppenheimer costume. costumes. Um, but yes. Um. If people do Barbenheimer, but like split vertically down the middle, I will respect that. <laughs> that would be uh, fun. Like yeah. respect the effort on that. That would be exactly. Great. That's what I'm saying. Um, so, um, but yeah, so I actually won't do that, but in theory, I am Ken. Um, oh, Ken. I am Ken enough. I am Ken enough. Oh, do, uh, you know, the hoodie, there's the big hoodie. Have you <laughs> yeah. seen it? The, I think the so. Big yeah. Rainbow hoodie that's on sale. It's like you have to pre-order it because it's always sold out. But there is a um, large I am Knuff hoodie out there that you can Ooh. purchase if that is a thing that interests you. That sounds fun. Yes. Maybe, maybe it's the one that he wears. You know, he, um, <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. You can get it from Mattel though. You have to pre-order it because mm-hmm. it's like sold out. I Some love... people already have it. I don't know how, but I love the big Ken fight scene near the end oh good when it's like a it's like a dance fight um (laughs) it's like fucking west side story um yeah yeah (laughs) um they're all just like dancing around because they don't like really know how to fight they're like trying to fight each other but all they have is like sporting equipment (laughs) (laughs) um and you know like simu lu is a pretty fun foil for ryan gosling yeah yeah he was Um, he was great at like playing the guy who was like always getting ken's goat the like the beach ken yeah and just like oh darn that other ken (laughs) yeah yeah he was really good um i really i really liked their dynamic he was doing some fun like backflips and stuff too yes yeah definitely showing off all the skills yeah i thought i thought that was really fun i mean they're all fun but yes um there's just so much. I mean, there are so many like bit moments in this movie too, because it's funny the whole way through, um, except for mm. when it's being really, really serious. Um, but it is mostly very funny. Most random moment: Rob Brydon showing up as Sugar Daddy Ken. Oh yeah, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love I like all the moments with the like in the movie. They're like, yes, this is a real product that actually exists like what (laughs) what are we doing and like why like why did that need to exist like i want to know the thought process to begin with um so funny so funny yeah but very fun movie definitely lived up to the expectations oh yeah yeah um I love that they, so, I, and I'm so yeah, glad I they mean, went all in on like marketing. And Oppenheimer hype. and Barbie both knocked it out of the park. I think we, the whole Barbenheimer phenomenon really delivered this summer. Yeah, it totally did. It was nice to see everybody wanting to see a movie again. It was nice like to have that moment. Um, it felt like it'd been a while since we'd had a, you know, new releases that everybody wanted to see. 
you know, and everybody was talking about. It was exciting again. Yeah. I guess Avatar 2 was kind of like that. At least the numbers say that it was like that, but I don't feel like everybody was talking about them the same way. (laughs) Yeah. Like, (laughs) well, unfortunately, Avatar 2, like, had that sort of thing where everyone's like, really? Who asked for another Avatar movie? But then everyone went and saw it. But then, like, nobody, like, like, other than outside of, like, film Twitter, I feel like the there weren't, like, a ton of people, like, talking about it. Yeah. But, like, everybody yeah. well, saw I, it. That, I, the numbers don't that's lie. That's Avatar. Like, the, the, the first Avatar was kind of like that, too. Where I, I feel like Avatar is, like, something to be experienced, but not really discussed. Because it's, like, the story is all very, like, archetypal. It's very basic, high-level stuff that it doesn't have a lot that you can really go into in depth, but like the imagery and the experience and like the immersiveness is what makes it incredible and what makes it something worth revisiting again and again. But you can't really like discuss that as much. You'll just be like, wow, it was like really cool and it looked really good. Right. But that's about all there is to say about it. Yes. I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, like, you know, Barbie was such a fun movie, and Oppenheimer just, like, so mind-blowing and engrossing that there there is a lot to say about it. There's discussion points, yeah. Um, I think think we definitely got what was advertised here. I think... Oh, I think uh, so. Both movies have been extremely successful at the box office. Crazy, Um, yeah. I mean, Barbie is obviously, like, a runaway hit. It's, yeah, um, <laughs> Barbie's still putting up record numbers. They keep extending the IMAX uh, uh, bookings for, for Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, which is awesome. Like I, they're they're keeping around those projectors. They they keep running the films. Like that's awesome. And like beyond just the format itself, like I I thought it was so cool just to see something projected on real film again. Like the first couple bits of dust and scratches i saw in the film i was like oh yeah we're back baby yeah exactly (laughs) that beautiful imperfection of the analog medium right uh so i'm glad they're keeping that around for a bit longer but yeah both both films definitely worth a watch worth seeing in theaters too it's just a really fun oh yeah you should see both of these in theaters i mean they both are made for like big screen yeah oh man see hearing other people laugh along with barbie was just so much fun yes also it just looked great so it was good to see it big every time barbie land was on the big screen i was like yeah i'm happy yeah Um, yeah it was beautiful definitely looked good on the big screen all right well we've got about 40 minutes left let's try to (laughs) let's try to blaze through some of this other stuff we've got here one more thing one more thing before we move on. I <laughs> remembered that I promised to discuss this on the podcast when we talked about Barbie. Um, the Great Barbie Massacre of 1997. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> yes. Uh, Veronica, if you're listening, <laughs> this is for oh you. My God. This uh, is for a specific individual. Yeah, yeah it's my sister. Um, so, yeah, there, there was an incident when I was young, very young. Too young to know better. Um, where me and my cousins pull the heads off a bunch of the Barbies oh that my, my sister had at a family party and like just sort of threw them around the room. Um, 
and I think this is relevant to discuss here because there, you know, there's the scene, and not just the scene. There's the whole character of weird Barbie in this movie, yeah. um, who is a Barbie who's been played with a little too hard, and that's kind of what happened that day. We we played with the Barbies a little too hard, um, <laughs> and we made some weird Barbies. But the message of this movie is that it's okay if you're a weird Barbie. You know, you've got value too. You can still be a member of society and do important things. Absolutely. Amen. That's very funny though. Yeah. Okay. So moving on, let's talk about Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. Do we have to look, um, let's hit it quick. I, so I've been like doing a thing this summer where I like rewatch a bunch of like classic franchises. One of them was Indiana Jones leading up to this one. And you know what? I gotta say the new one was disappointing in retrospect. Yeah, I mean... I've, like, soured on it more since I saw it. Like, while I was watching it, I was like, this is fine. And, like, ever since then, I've been like, oh, was it fine? Um, Like, the more I've thought about it. I feel like it was not necessarily more disappointing than um, Crystal Skull. Actually, I think Crystal Skull is fine. After revisiting it this this summer, I think Crystal Skull was perfectly enjoyable. They tried to shove Shia LaBeouf down our throats, but, like, well, and there's the the CGI. Okay, so there's a lot of problems with Crystal Skull. Yeah. But I think the problems with Crystal Skull are more, like, side problems. Whereas Dial of Destiny, the main problems with Dial of Destiny are things that are, like, central to the movie. Like, Like, the overall why of the movie is just, like... Like, it's just like, I don't know why we're even here is how I yeah. felt for half of the movie. And like, that's a much more central and distracting problem than one scene where CGI monkeys attack Shia LaBeouf. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. um, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I also revisited the franchise and just love the original trilogy. They're so good. They're so good. As much as ever. It's just like every time you revisit, there's just more to love about it. Um, was meh about crystal skull it was like okay you know i actually remembered being more excited about it when it came out the first time just because it was like oh we get another indiana jones i mean i was excited about it going in and also i was in high school so i didn't know shit but like um i mean i enjoyed it yeah the first time around at least i mean i went to the midnight showing i just back when midnight showings were still a thing i I was working at the theater when this Mm. came when crystal skull came out i was i was involved in the midnight showing um but yeah, this one was like there were parts of it that I liked, but there were like whole sections where I was like, "Why are we doing this?" Yeah, and the overall like vibe of the movie, where like Indiana Jones is like an old guy ready to die. Yeah, <laughs> it was like just very depressing and did not feel like most of what we've seen from indiana jones i also like couldn't get over like the the nonchalant reveal that shia labeouf died off screen <laughs> like <laughs> that was that was pretty great i that, was like what the fuck i was um, like all right okay sure um, um yeah it was just like very it was just like a strange movie and i wanted it to be better i wanted to like this movie 
I want like there was so much hate, especially like in the lead up after the trailers came out. Like a lot of like especially like film Twitter were like, "This is gonna be bad," and I was like, "No, it's gonna be fine." I wanted to go in. I wanted to go in and be like, "Film Twitter was being snobby," but then I came out of it and I was like, "Actually, I think they were probably right. This was unnecessary. Yeah. It didn't look particularly good. Like, just kind of meh overall." Um, yeah, I so it still I, benefits from like fucking harrison ford like yeah harrison ford was great he was um, actually like fleabag was good clearly (laughs) tried here fleabag was good but like her character i just did not really like that No, her character is bad and it was just her whole thing is just like i like money and that's my only characteristic yes um I yeah, I didn't find that very compelling. But she was great, like as an actress, and she, she was, was doing like, what she, she was could doing do with fine the with the role. Yeah. Um, I take it that some people have problems with the third act, where spoiler alert, there's some time travel that goes on. Okay, let's let's pause here for a moment because since between Crystal Skull and this one. You see people and they're like, wow, I can't believe Indiana Jones had elements that don't make any sense. And I'm like, where were you? For three <laughs> fuck every movie, every single Indiana Jones movie has completely bonkers, nonsense, supernatural shit. Like, True. Yeah. The final sequence of every movie gets ridiculous. Like, I mean, in one of them, they go in, they find the Holy Grail and there's a knight who's been guarding it for centuries. Like... <laughs> There's the weird spirits that they unleash. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, no. So people I, I, get upset about that. That's it's bizarre to me. It doesn't the make only sense. Ex- the only exception is the crystal skull. You're allowed to be uh, mad about the aliens, but not because they're aliens. You're allowed to be mad about ancient aliens who built the world. Like, that's a very <laughs> racist concept, and you're allowed to be upset True. about Fair that. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yes. Um. Uh, but yeah, like this, I actually, I really, that was like my favorite part of the movie. Actually, like, I was yes, like, okay, exactly. like this. This does fit with what we've seen from the series before. And also, like, it's a big swing. Like, it's yeah. bold. It's interesting. It's, fun. it's something it we haven't seen before. And I love, like, the idea that Indiana Jones, like, ends up in the past. And he's just like, I need to stay here. Like, don't, yes. don't take me back. Like, that that was cool. But we were only there for, like, five, ten minutes. And then it yeah. was like, oh, we're back. And that was the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah, I think that I agree with you that that was super interesting. It was. It also felt like the movie was actually having some fun and trying some things, which like most of the movie was not doing. So I was like, like a lot of the movie was going through the motions. At least in those moments, it was like doing something interesting and new and fun. Um, right. And so like I really enjoyed that. Like I sat up. Um, I was like gonna. I was at, at risk of dozing off during this movie. Oh so, no. Um, I was just like so bored, and like I shouldn't be bored during an Indiana Jones movie. That should not be a thing that's happening. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I was I was definitely disappointed in this movie. Um, but you know, I it shouldn't have happened. Like, <laughs> we didn't need another Harrison Ford Indiana Jones. You know. Yeah. But here we are. We got it anyway. The legacy sequel has to end. You know, I'm getting tired of it, and like. Right now, we're being force-fed fucking Exorcist legacy sequel. Come on. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I saw the trailer for that, and I was like, wow. Okay, let's see how this goes. I like the, My favorite thing about the trailer is when it like teases the tubular bells theme. I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, come on. Like, it's like, oh, we're doing that. Okay. Yeah, and then it plays it as she's like stepping out. And I'm like, okay. Like, 
who like you're gonna first of all it's not gonna be a huge hit that you want because exorcist just doesn't have the same cultural cachet as like a halloween like i'm sorry because not because it's not as good because it's maybe better in some ways but like it was like a singular movie it doesn't have the franchise yeah. that people cared about they haven't had the sequels that kept going like they've had a couple sequels but they've not... had they've had a number of sequels but they were not the hits that yeah <laughs> other horror sequels have been exactly um, yeah, or at but... least not cultural hits, I should say. I don't know about the financial success of each of them, but they haven't been things that like lingered in anyone's memory. I'm sure we'll um, be talking about that eventually. Of course, I'll see it. Like I'm gonna <laughs> see The Exorcist. Believer. I'm not gonna um, not watch that. I mean, um, and yeah. I genuinely hope I'm proven wrong and it's good. Like I would love that. That would make me happy. But um, I just think that we need to stop. Like especially like when it's like these movies where it's like the are, they're bringing back the original lead, and that original lead is like just like so old like who are you appealing to here because the old people the people who were like young adults when that movie first came out probably aren't gonna go see the exorcist sequel in theaters yeah yeah like i don't know i I really don't know who it's for other than just like to play off the cultural cachet of the name the exorcist and be like exactly but that there but the exorcist doesn't have the same thing with especially like young moviegoers who are a prime audience for horror movies like um so it's just like very strange to me um okay let's keep it moving um Let's talk about another Disney movie that came out this summer. This was a while ago. The Little Mermaid remake. Oh, okay. Um, um, I only have one thing to say about The Little Mermaid. Do you remember my song in the swamp? Remember my song in the swamp? Baka wop wop, chicka wop wop. Yeah. Uh, it like lives in my head like nonstop. Okay. So there were, there were a lot of things that I actually liked about this. I... So I am a famous hater of the Disney live action remakes. World famous. Yes. I thought this was one of the better ones of those that I've seen. I appreciate it for that. Um, There was a lot not to like about this as well. But uh, like overall, I had a good time watching this. And that's what I was most surprised about because I did not have a good time watching the lion king remake i was like miserable that was the bad time I, was I hated that, that movie this i, really I was like oh i'm having fun like i thought the music you know what the difference is the difference is that this one had people playing people yes. instead of live action animals doing fake weird lip syncing i mean like... that helped a lot and like based off of some of the screenshots and like promotional images i'd seen beforehand I thought that the under the sea portions were going to look a lot worse than they ended up turning out. Like it was still like, okay, like this is kind of like, if you're comparing this to the original, obviously the original looks a million times better and like more, more colorful, more visually interesting and not tied down to trying to like literally depict biologically accurate sea creatures. But you know, it still it still had some fun, and like the the whole under the sea dance sequence, while it was a little more grounded and down to earth, and thus more boring, <laughs> it's still like they still did some fun things with it, which I like. I wasn't expecting when we started out. I was like, oh, this is going to be like the Lion King dance sequences, where like literally they do nothing, yeah. but they made it kind of fun at the end, and it helped that it was underwater. So like, 
you got like some verticality, like the fish could swim around and go up and down rather than just like staying on the ground. So that definitely helped them. Um, the music was quite good for the most part. Anything where Aquafina was involved in, especially the Scuttlebutt song, was like, what are we doing here? Look, um, Aquafina was like some like humor trying to do like the character voice thing and it just didn't really work um yeah and i'm yeah. not an aquafina hater um no i didn't, i didn't generally like her, like her yeah. quite a bit i think she's funny usually but she was not funny here um and the scuttlebutt was bad that yeah. was like i don't know what we were i don't know what anyone was thinking and the worst <laughs> part was that song replaced le poisson mm -hmm. which is like my favorite of my favorite song in that movie yes um, we the fact that we didn't get a bumbling French chef in this movie is such a disappointment. That is a disappointment. I also just think like, like kiss the girl was kind of disappointing. Like I just, I don't know, but there yeah. were some, there were some hits too. Like part of your world was great. That was Very really good. good. Very that good. That was yeah. extremely good. Um, she, I mean, Halle Bailey was great in this role. Yeah. Anything um, where Halle Bailey was like the primary singer, yeah. was fantastic. I mean she's obviously she, a stellar singer. Great singer. Awesome. She had yeah. good acting, like visually she like her whole look was incredible. Uh yeah. so I really liked her in this. I I liked the guy playing Eric okay. He was boring. Jonah Howard King, he was <laughs> he was all right. Uh I <laughs> I liked his song that they added like it was like uh uncharted oh, yeah. waters or whatever yeah, i've listened to it a few times it was a good that. song but the way they staged it was very strange it's like he's just like singing this to the ocean and like flinging his arms around i'm like what are we doing here well that's the classic live action disney remake thing where they don't know how to stage these numbers so they just like wander around um, yeah it just doesn't make any sense um but he was like good in his own way. Um, yeah. Just, like, his singing was very better. good. Yeah. Uh, I like David Diggs. He was my favorite of the, like the main trio of animals. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't really, I mean, he, his voice acting was fine, but I like wanted to close my eyes every time Sebastian appeared. <laughs> he looked um, very strange. Um, uh, it was just like kind of creepy. Aquafina uh, was annoying and, Jacob Tremblay as Flounder was just like a non-entity. Like, like Flounder might as well have not been in this movie. <laughs> so I don't know why we were even doing such it. Such a waste um, of Jacob Tremblay. Like I'm like, you got like one of the best child actors to ever do it in your movie. And he does barely anything. He did nothing. He did nothing at all. It was so bizarre. I don't know why, why they did that. Very strange. Uh, but yeah, overall a fun evening at the movies. I saw this on like fucking Memorial Day weekend, and we're talking. About this it has right been now. a while. Um, uh, it's I, I remember because I saw that the Monday that we were off on. I'm pretty sure I saw that on Memorial Day. <laughs> it's got to be on Disney Plus by now. Maybe check it out if that's what you're into. Um, if you want to be part of our world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Across the Spider Verse was good. I don't have a lot to say. It was yeah, good, it was very nice. good. I mean, you know, if you've seen the first Spider Verse movie. It's more of that. It's yes. very good. Um, it's interesting where it's going. I do feel like like a lot of people complain about the ending, which is a cliffhanger. My main 
problem with the ending is that it is a cliffhanger, but also it's a very drawn out cliffhanger. Yeah. It's like I they spend a lot of time like <clears throat> explaining stuff that we're going to get resolved in the next movie. It's like, just, just end it. Like I can already tell where this is going. Right. Like just give us that stuff in the next movie. I maybe liked the Ninja Turtles movie more in terms of animated superhero movies. Interesting. Yeah. I still need to see that. But, but we'll I did I did like Across soon. the Spider-Verse. I thought it was very good. Um, I think they're both quite good. They're just they're visual Across the Spider-Verse is visually very cool too, and so is the new the new Ninja Turtles. They're both very visually cool. Um, Best new character, definitely Hobie. Mm-hmm. I love his whole visual style. Look like really looking like ripped out of a punk zine or something. Yes. Hobie cool. Yes, Hobie has been in comics before, but yes. Um, um I like Hobie. Okay. Um, Asteroid City. Asteroid City. <laughs> this has um, also been a very long time. This is yeah. Um, I, it's going to be hard to talk about this. Um, Asteroid City. First of all, I liked it. Second of all, the Nighthawk had a chili dog special for Asteroid City that was fucking awesome. Um, so I have eaten the chili dog from the Nighthawk that was an Asteroid City special like multiple times. Um, because I love a chili dog. Um, so that let's just get that out of the way. Right. Um, second of all, I love Wes Anderson, and it's good to have a good Wes Anderson movie again. Isle of Dogs, I had kind of mixed feelings on. Um, oh, no. Um, I know. I'm sorry. Um, look, Isle of Dogs has a cat-hating problem. And as a cat lover... <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> That's um, fair. That's fair. I mean, Also, the pun in the name kind of annoys me. I love the pun. I get it. I totally... Anyway, I love Wes Anderson. <laughs> So to me, not liking a Wes Anderson movie as much as I want to does bother me. So I was really glad to report that I loved Asteroid City. Yeah, (laughs) this was great. This feels like one of his best. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Just like so heartfelt, such an interesting rumination on like the place of art in the world and the nature of grief. Um, And clearly a very personal movie for him. Yeah. also, I loved just like the general American Southwest vibe. Of Very it. good. The desert good. vibes. I yeah. We, yeah. I felt like we got like a little bit of a preview of Oppenheimer here, but like <laughs> in a very much more fictional stylized kind of way. Um, but yeah, like the whole visual look of it. I mean, obviously every Wes Anderson movie has its own um, very stylized visual look, and this is no exception. The, yeah. the, the desert looks so cool in this. So yes. artificial and yet so alive at the same time. It's so great. I'd like to like every like TikTok teen making fun of Wes Anderson's aesthetic, thinking they're copying it. I just like them to watch Asteroid City for a moment and just realize that you are not doing anything close to what he does. They're like, oh yeah, yeah I could do Wes Anderson because <laughs> they just like put themselves in the center of the frame. And I'm like, you don't get anything about Wes Anderson. You don't understand him at all. Um, he's just such a, I mean, it's so like the fact that he has such a distinctive filmmaking visual aesthetic is it speaks volumes um, because it's still, he still does interesting things with it every time. It's not the same every time. So um, yeah, yeah, this is great. I loved asteroid city. Um, yeah. And I mean, obviously the aesthetic is very notable, but I, I also thought that like the sort of themes that he usually explores and the sort of dramatic style that he gets out of his actors was really on full display in this movie i mean jason schwartzman was so good in this movie like should be up for an oscar good and um just really like had this deep pain in him throughout the whole movie that was 
under uh, like underwritten by a bit of humor that just sort of it's the typical Wes Anderson thing how there's like deep pain hidden behind like a bit of quirkiness or humor that's the Wes that, Anderson way that yeah. is <laughs> yeah it was really was good, good really love that movie um all right I we've just got a few odds and ends to talk about here elemental I want to talk about sure just, I haven't seen it so go yeah for it. I just want to say like check it out because it's better than you think um well it kind of got an upswing after the initial like hate yeah fest. it kind of um yeah i don't know yeah it bombed initially but like it it got got some better um ratings and box office numbers later in its run but yeah i mean like i feel like this movie was terribly marketed it looks like very trite and very like well-trodden ground for pixar but i thought it was actually like really heartfelt it was a cute love story it was also an interesting story about like immigrant families and like this their struggle to to fit in to adapt and to like about what it means to be a child of a family like that and how you find your place in the world when you've been raised that way um which it just like it seemed like a very personal story for the filmmakers and uh it was like surprisingly heartfelt compared nice. to the movie that i expected us to get based on the trailers and stuff which looked like very basic yeah the trailers so, did not look good <laughs> yeah I, I i highly recommend checking out elemental it's you know it's it's pixar doing what it does best it's get, giving you an emotional story wrapped up in some sort of silly archetype or silly world that you've put these characters into. I definitely will see it eventually. Um, while we're on Pixar, I wanted to give an update on the Disney watch project. Uh, oh, please. please I don't do. have a lot to say specifically on this because again, it's been a long time, but I've got to, I've got to tell people where I'm at in the watch here since, um, since last we spoke, I have seen Fun and Fancy Free, Melody Time, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, and Lady and the Tramp. Um, so that has been a really interesting run because uh, it's sort of it's the tail end of like the package features there with Fun and Fancy Free, Melody Time, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and then like the start of the golden age of disney pictures um i cannot emphasize enough what a big jump it is from ichabod and mr toad to cinderella like um i mean i like ichabod and mr toad okay i feel like i've never watched that as a package like i've seen the two bits separately before sure yeah but it's like by the time we get to that movie having seen all the other package features, it's very much like, wow, they're really just trying anything at this point. <laughs> there's a, there's an opening song. That's like Ichabod and Mr. Toad. It's like, why, what is the commonality between these two stories? And why is there a song about the two of them? Like, that's it, so funny. It's very strange, but like, I mean, it's, it's the two segments are fine. Like they're, they're very entertaining, but it's also like, okay, this does, this feels like, cartoons this doesn't feel like we're making a big animated feature and then cinderella comes around and it is just disney firing on all cylinders like 
They've got the big sweeping music. They've got these gorgeous animated shots. They're doing all sorts of different stuff with perspective and space that they haven't done in their animated features before. Uh, it's really like, okay, finally we have the money to do it right, like to do it the way that we wanted to be doing all this time. Um, so that was great. Um, Alice in Wonderland was funny and weird as always. Uh, Peter Pan, oh man. That is that is a wild movie. Um, that was one of my favorites growing up, but it's such an interesting contrast between that movie and some of the other Disney movies, which are more like more princess oriented. And then you get Peter Pan, which is like this is one for the boys, and like the message of Peter Pan is like boys are a fucking nightmare. <laughs> That's true. It's like yeah. all the boys are just like absolute nightmares who need like wendy to come in and step in and like take charge of things because they can't handle anything they can't do anything um, it's also like very racist it is yeah. that because is... i rewatched it this this summer too and i was like oh um it is it i mean is... i knew that because i've watched it many times since i was a kid because um, it was like my favorite disney movie as a kid um but like re every time you revisit it it's like hmm it's still like that bad huh um, yeah the what makes the red man red sequence is still one of the more racist things that disney's ever done yeah that's <laughs> because bad. of how just like flat out <laughs> yeah discriminatory and stereotypical it is yeah um yeah yeah a fun movie still but yes and there's definitely there's like good things in that movie it's just there's some some negatives too yeah um, also yeah. the second star to the right shines in the night for you oh like, god yeah the music in peter pan just oh it's so good it is so good and, and like it. that song especially starting up in the opening credits is such a powerful memory for me like it just it represents like comfort and adventure at the same yep. time it's yeah. such an interesting blend also like tinkerbell is like the most iconic character um oh yeah tinkerbell Tinkerbell is hilarious. Yes. Um, Tinkerbell flies across the Magic Kingdom. Oh. Um, she is so messy, too. Like, she she's is just messy. like. She's a mess. She's ridiculous. She's like, um, oh, Peter, well, you th you said a bad thing about me after I tried to kill Wendy. Well, then I'm going to rat you out to Captain Hook. <laughs> also, like, what is it? Is she, like, in love with Peter? Because I got to say, like, the size difference would, like, be an issue. <laughs> it would not work. But yeah. she, she um, definitely is. Also, I, I was disturbed to the extent to which I found Captain Hook relatable in this movie now uh, as Captain an adult. Is, yeah. I think I think Captain that, Hook know, is just a guy who's like fed up with children and like that's yeah. real. Like, Captain Hook represents the adult world. And so as a kid, he's completely just a villain. But as an adult, you're like, oh yeah, like this guy's probably sick to death of Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. Like I would be mad too. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and he's just such a sad sack too. Like nothing ever goes right for him. He keeps getting eaten by the crocodile. You're just like, oh, same, buddy. Fucking, same. Fucking I feel like that milk. sometimes. I love it. Is that is that the end of your Disney? Yeah, I think that's all I have to say on Disney right now. Oh, but uh, okay. we got a lot more to do. We got 10 minutes left. Okay. So, 10 minutes? Yes, 10 minutes. I have two more things I want to talk about. I okay, haven't seen it. the latest Mission Impossible movie, but I have seen – I have been doing a rewatch, and I've seen the first five. 
Have um, you not seen this? Is what we're on number seven now. Um, yeah, I still haven't seen six, and I didn't see it the first time either. So six is still new to me. Okay, six um, is like the best one. Um, I do feel like starting with four, they start getting just like better and better. The oh, first, I think some of the first few are good too. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, like I, I really like the first one. I like two for what it is. <laughs> Like, two is the one that people don't like as much. Two is controversial. I like it for what it is, which is it's a John Woo movie. Exactly. Like, if you accept that, like, oh, we're going to stop this series now and just do a John Woo movie that's loosely related to the plot of Mission Impossible, then I think you'll enjoy it a lot more. Uh, it was very face-off for me. Um, right. And it's got uh, Ethan Hunt just being, like, a, a long-haired pretty boy, just, like climbing rocks and doing kung fu and flipping off of bikes and stuff and yeah it's it's great it's, it's so yeah 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 <laughs> it's a absolutely. lot of fun in its own way and three three is a great return to form with some elements of what we'll start to see in the later installments yes but then you, then you hit four five and six and things get crazy there yeah uh, and then we start really escalating into like what we now know is the mission possible series right ghost protocol rogue nation fallout Fallout is the best. Fallout is so fucking good. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. But yeah, so like I've just I I enjoyed all of them. It was a fun watch through. Um but I do not think I could say the same thing about the Insidious series, which I also watched <laughs> through recently. I like most uh, of them. I don't like the last key and I don't like the red door. I like I don't know. Like the more I, I kept watching them, I was like, I don't know that I particularly like any of these movies oh, actually. I like the first few. I like and I few. actually like, I remembered liking one and two the first time around, but like in this, like I was only ever really interested when they went to, uh, whatever the ghost dimension is called. The, far, the, far the further, the further. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's like a lot of the rest of it is just very typical like poltergeist possession type movie um and it, oh just, yeah but that's what makes it fun yeah i don't know i just didn't i didn't find it as interesting i was like comparing it in my mind to like the other like james wanley Winnell spooky movies like the conjuring i was like i like the conjuring more than this like this. oh well yeah me too absolutely this is like the Conjuring's little sibling or something. Yeah, but there are parts of it that I liked. I I, I like the goofy demon and his like. It's weird... Darth Maul. Yeah, his weird world where he like keeps people in cages and like plays. And he has a weird like room ton... overlooking the main room. He, like, like, why plays... does he have like an upstairs foreman's office? Um... <laughs> He's just like looking down there. He's playing Tiny Tim records for some reason. Yeah, like... why not? It, he's the best part, uh, and just like all the weird ghouls that you run into in the further um but yeah also like, lin shay oh yeah of course lin shay is awesome and like that was like i actually liked last key i think more than most people just because her story was pretty prominent in that one um but i don't know you know mixed bag that one um yeah. i liked i liked red door okay you like, like Patrick Wilson's directorial debut? Yeah, um, yeah, I thought he did a pretty good job with that, and I, I like. I thought it was fine. I think this. I think it's just like the story did not allow for like a tonally 
consistent movie. It was like very strange and all over the place. It did. Know. It did feel that way. Yeah. But um, I, I liked like the general plot, like the idea of like, you know, the like idea this, was fine. This disturbing thing happened in hey, your what childhood about, um, and now you're uncovering it. What about, uh, it. what's it, what's her name? Logan Roy's wife. Um, she was in that movie. Oh yeah. 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 Um, as the, the scary art teacher, she wasn't yeah. even that scary, but you know what I mean. Um, the, the really hardcore one who's like, yeah. tear up your drawing. Yes, um, and it was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. Um, I wanted to like it more. Hi, my boss. Um, that's her name, Marsha Roy. Hi, my boss. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, yes, or him. I don't know how you say it. Um, but yeah, um, so Insidious, the Red Door, you know, another, but it's it's made a bunch of money, so there's probably going to be another Insidious, even though this is built as the yeah, last one. Um, probably. Um, yeah. Were those your last two? Um, I had one more thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, okay. Talk to me. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I saw <laughs> it. Yeah. My friend just... had a, a fainting spell during it. Oh, no. Yeah. Was it because of the content yes. of the movie? Uh, the content of the movie can get pretty extreme. When, when the kid did the thing, and you know what I mean. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that was a pretty extreme scene. And I was is, not expecting that. I was that like, is what why the fuck? <laughs> I think it's a bad idea to bring your five-year-old to this movie, yeah, that's which someone did in the yeah. screening that I saw. There was a family right behind me in the theater with two children. One of them may be like eight years old. One of them at most five years old. That's bad. And That's so bad. It, yeah, like, it did not go well. There was crying. There was like, it, I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, you should have. They should have taken them out in like the first five minutes, but they kept them yeah. there the whole time. Um, but the funniest part to me was like, as the the opening credits are starting, like we're just getting the music or whatever. You hear this small child's voice from the audience say, "Like, is this a scary movie?" And everyone laughed. I was like, that's pretty funny. But also, I feel like this is not going to go well. And it didn't. Um, But just very briefly, really cool movie. Very like indie horror. Um, Lots of disturbing, violent stuff in that movie. Um, Some cool creature-y effects. Uh, Worth checking out. Yeah, I really liked it. So definitely see Talk to Me. Definitely fun. Okay, well... We got to wrap it up because we're getting kicked out of the Buzz on Movie Studio. Come but... on. <laughs> Come on. Just a few more minutes, guys. Um, well, someday the listeners will know about my Transformers watch, about my Highlander watch, but it's okay. That we'll have more today. to talk about next time, yeah. definitely. But, you know, until then, you can find us on all the major po- podcast platforms. You know, we're on everything Spotify, Apple, you name it. Find us on your favorite platform, subscribe, and give us a review if you like what we're doing. You can also email us at buzzdownmovies at gmail.com. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter, I guess, at buzzdownmovies. We're not really doing much over there these days because it's a whole whole chaotic mess over there. Twitter doesn't but... exist anymore. It's called something else that I refuse <laughs> to plug on this. this we're hoping uh, to get a, a more relevant social media soon, but uh, TBD. And... As always, we'll see you at the movies. Yeah. 
We'll see at the movies. We're in the sewers beneath New York City with a bunch of turtles. Hey, I'm walking here. Okay, all right. Cowabunga! <laughs> <laughs>